Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. I promise you my morning has been better than yours so far. Baptizing both my kids, my little baby over there watching, as if he knew what was going on. Pretty amazing. Let me go to pray, the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get into our text. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for a family that has decided to follow Jesus. Thank you for this community that has celebrated it with me, and that has been uh, so such a blessing to my family. Lord, I pray for this sermon. Lord, I pray that your words will be clear. Lord, let me... Move out of the way that you would be glorified. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you don't know, we've been in the book of Ephesians. If you want to go ahead and grab your Bible, turn to Ephesians. Um, that, that'll, that'll help a lot. So if you want to go to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20. Give you all a minute to get there for those of us who haven't memorized it. This would be a good one to memorize, by the way. It's going to help you out a lot in your life. Uh, for those of you who think you can't memorize scripture, I was one of those. And then I went through seminary and Dr. Alan Jackson forced me to memorize scripture and I realized it was possible. So let me encourage you to do that. This one being one of them. So here we go. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it bodily as I ought to speak. Now, when I read this passage, it's, it's easy to forget that it is at the end of an entire argument. It's at the end of an entire discussion on what it means to follow Jesus Christ. If you could put yourself in the position of, ha of having just received Jesus Christ, of just knowing Jesus Christ, and you have Paul saying, okay, let me walk you through what that looks like. First and foremost, my desire for you is that you would know God. You say, I know God, but I want you to know God because that is going to do well for you. And then I want you to follow through and I want you to be unified because the thing that makes you unified is Jesus Christ. 
Not your football team, not anything else. The thing that unifies you is Jesus Christ. So I want you to know God, and because you know God, and you love God, and you love the same thing, I want you to be unified. And now that we've got that covered, I want you to stop doing these things and start doing these things. So you get onto this whole put off, put on that uh, me and Chaplain Dan had the opportunity to talk to you about. Put this off, put this on. Put this off, put this on. Don't steal anymore. Instead, go to work and be charitable. And if you can picture this as Congratulations, you've finished this part of your training now, finally. I'm about to release you. You're about to finish this block of instruction. So what I want you to do is I want you to be prepared for the battle. I have entitled this, this sermon, The Battlefield Revealed. And the idea is that, well, if I could put it this way, I, I want you to picture me at 22. One years old, if you can. Less wrinkles, less gray hair, still just as much of it. You're welcome. Now, just as much of it, and, but just really curly and me trying to look like a, a, a 90s kid. You know what that looks like, right? Y'all got the picture. And I've just, maybe you don't have the picture because you're only 18 years old. It's a fun look, right? So... I'm 18 years old, 19, 20 years old. It is the year 2002. Go ahead and do the math. And I have just finished basic training in the Air Force. Um, I've come to my unit. I'm in the Air Force Reserves. I am Airman Verdon. We are doing training after training after training. And finally, I get to this point. I'm like, I know my job. I can actually load plan a C-17, a C-5. I can actually tie down. You can bring a tank onto a C-5. I can tie it down and it won't move. I know my job. And then I got a phone call while I am in Columbia, South Carolina. And they said, hey, we need you to show up uh, to Charleston, South Carolina. You're going to this interesting little thing. We call it CIF, right? And I was like, well, that sounds fun. You're going to give me stuff? They're like, yeah, we need you to come draw some stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. So they gave me uh, my body armor, a helmet, grenade pouches. They assigned me what weapon I would have. And they started giving me all this stuff. I was like, this is cool stuff. They're like, hope you enjoy your stuff. You're getting deployed. I was like, this is less cool. This stuff is way less cool. Uh one month later, they said, oh, your security clearance couldn't make it. We're not going to get to send you where you're going, right? One year later, I'm chilling out in Columbia, South Carolina, doing youth ministry, and I get a phone call. They go, all right, we need you to come to Charleston. We're going to give you some stuff. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. That time I got to go. That time I had fun hanging out in al Air Force Base in Qatar, right? They gave me less stuff there because they didn't really expect I was going to have to shoot anybody from there, right? So, why do I tell you this? Because I did all the training. I got the learning. I got the stuff. And then they said, you didn't just get the training. You didn't just get the stuff so that you could have the stuff and get the training. What do they expect for me to do with the training and the stuff? Do my job. And where my job was, was in the middle of where everything came in and out in order to support the war effort. 
right? So when I got to this passage and it said, be prepared, put on your armor, I didn't think, cool, swords. I thought, oh boy, what does this mean? Why would they give me an armor? You don't wear, I mean, some weird people do. But you don't wear body armor to watch TV at the house. Right? If you do, there is a chaplain. Reach out. Right? You wear body armor because you are expected to be in some version of a battle. So when they told me, hey, you're going to war, I had some questions. Right? So then I come into the army. I'm going through... Uh, Chaplain Bullock, and they call. I call up my guy and that my sponsor, and he says, "Oh, I said, so what's going on? How can I help?" They're like, "Oh, we're just gearing up for this deployment." What questions did I have immediately? First question was, "How am I going to tell Rachel? How in the world am I going to tell Rachel that I am in Bullock, but I'm going to Afghanistan?" Right? But now, what other questions do you start asking? Who's the enemy? Are we strong enough to defeat them? What's the mission? What am I supposed to be doing while I'm out there? That's what this passage is. For those of you who are NCOs or OICs or commanders, this is MDMP for your spiritual battle. This is, this is what you're going to do and how you're going to win. So my first question as a young guy was, am I going to die? I'm going into a battle. Am I going to die? If so, so be it. But I need to figure out who gets my PlayStation, right? And that was kind of where I was. Am I going to die? But this is what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Originally, my first point, and it might still be up there because I changed it late. Originally, my first point was, your strength is from the Lord, which I think is a powerful point, but it's not complete. Your strength is in the Lord. You are not a Power Ranger out here just calling on Megatron to give you strength. No, you are abiding in God. You are abiding in Christ. If you look to John, uh, if you're a note taker, I probably won't ask you to turn because I go too fast. But if you're a note taker, I'm going to have some passages for you to, to take down. Go read. They're really good. I want you to look at, I want you to write down John 15, 3 through 4. It says, well, starting in verse 4, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit by itself Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And I think that maybe we are having a problem as Christians remembering that becoming a Christian isn't just a decision. It is an invitation to the Holy Spirit to reside within you. And then you saying, I will abide in you, in God. I am, my life is going to be on the trajectory of God's. I am going to walk with God. Church, I don't just go to church. I daily wake up and set my eyes on God. I daily wake up and say, okay, God, what is your plan for my life? And you know what? It's really easy 
And I will say, I'm going to put this especially for chaplains because we're the hired holy people. It is especially easy for us to wake up and say, you know what? I'm pretty smart. Got me a master's degree. I could consider a PhD. I'm really bright. So I'm going to go and I'm going to make all these plans. I'm going to impress my commander. I'm going to be the best dang chaplain that anybody's ever seen. And who is this all focused on? Me. Me. Right? And I think if the chaplains are susceptible to it, I, I have to assume that it is an easy thing to be susceptible to as military-minded people. I'm tough. I got this. I can handle it. Let me tell you, you can't. You're not strong enough. You don't have the power. Guess what? The power doesn't even come from you. The power is in Christ. So point one, where does the power to do this battle you're like, you haven't even told me what the battle is yet. I, I haven't. We're not there in the text yet. Hold tight. The power for what you are called as a Christian. Now, it doesn't say, hey, pastors, put on your armor. This is for all Christians, right? The battle that you are called into is not by your might. That has been through the entire book of Ephesians. Paul's prayer, what do I want for you? I want you to know God. Well, what am I supposed to do? Know God. Know Him. Get to know Him. The rest will flow from that. You need to be, you need to accept Jesus Christ. But guess what? You can't accept Jesus Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. So who's doing all the work? God. And in this battle, where does the strength come from? comes from God. There are actions for you, but the strength comes from God. My next question would obviously be, so who is the enemy? Who are we fighting against? If you're going to give me armor, who's going to be shooting at me? It's a good thing to know, don't you think? I really thought with a, a battle passage, I'd get more head nods. Daggum right, I want to know who's shooting at me, right? Well, this is pretty good. It says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Next point is this. Our enemy is real and he is active. We have a very real and a very active enemy. The moment you said, Jesus, yes, I will, you had an enemy. For how many of you, any of you ever feel like that? You ever feel like, golly, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and ever since then, I have felt like someone has been beating on me. Who here has felt that way? Who here has ever felt like, goodness, I didn't know I was signing up for this. Yeah. It's in here. It says so, but we have this thing called the prosperity gospel, and if you're one of the lovers of that, I'm sorry, but it doesn't say it in the Bible. 
The Bible doesn't say, come except Jesus Christ, you will be therefore a millionaire. Go out, and we were in New York, Rachel and I, and we went to this church, and we were loving it. We were like, golly, these people are happy, they're excited, maybe this will be a church home. We walk in, and this pastor comes in, and they, his advice to us was, go to the car lot. The one you want, find the car you want, put your hand on it, and claim it in the name of the Lord. Yeah, right? That's what Rachel and I were saying. We're sitting over in there, like, and when you got this whole congregation, like, yeah, claim it in the name of the Lord. We're going to have me a Duramax, right? That's what I would say, right? That is not the gospel. It doesn't exist. You know what it says? It says, pick up your cross and follow me. A cross is a tool used to crucify to kill, right? Put on your armor and go to battle. You're not going to fight. Come, follow Jesus Christ, and he's going to make you just happy. He will give you joy, which is way more lasting than happiness. Joy lasts through the battle. Happiness lasts up until the battle. If you think that you are going to come to Christ and he's going to be like, oh, good, heaven is now on earth. That's not that's not the gospel. I remember. I re so I, I came to Christ very young. I was baptized at six, just like my son just was. I can still remember accepting Jesus Christ. Uh, I was called into the ministry I think I was 18, 19, maybe, 18 or 19. Um, and I was working construction. My dad worked construction and pastored. I was working construction, and we were putting a, a pool house on the owner of this, the, this drywall business that I used to work for. He said, okay, uh, can you build me a pool house? I was like, yeah, I can build you a pool house. So we built a pool house, and I'm putting black paper on the roof, and we had let everybody else go because it was Friday. But I was like, if we don't get this black paper up on this roof, which as I think about it now, black paper on a roof by yourself is just dumb because you can slip and fall and die. But I was up on the roof of this house and I was laying black paper by myself. I was like, Let's, and I started praying and my prayer started out with God why don't you why don't you and it ended with okay yes sir I will yes sir I will and I got called into the ministry and I specifically remember standing at the edge of the the roof pointing down like oh Satan you done messed up now you have no idea what you've unleashed on yourself I'm coming for you and the next day uh, my girlfriend told me she didn't want to be a pastor's wife my bank account went to zero because of a banking error. My car literally stopped running, and all of my world just... I mean, if you think about being a 19-year-old guy, what's the most important things to you? Your girlfriend, your car, and your bank account. And all of them got wiped out the next day. And I distinctly remember thinking, golly, maybe standing on the roof of the house yelling, you don't know what you got yourself into, was a stupid idea. But we do have an enemy. And the second thing you need to know is you're not strong enough to take him on. Who are these enemies? Who are they? First, I, I don't want to... 
are the rulers and the authorities. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers. And if you look up those words, I really wanted to not go spiritual. I really wanted to go spiritual immediately, but it appears to me that Paul didn't go spiritual immediately. He went to the ones that shaped culture. Rulers, authorities, those powers. If you look at the Greek words, if you, if, you, if you decide to be that guy that does that, it's really talking about leadership. It's talking about those who are leading. And if you think about Satan not being omnipresent, like God is, odds are he's probably not focused on you. Odds are he's probably focused on the ones that affect you. Right? Have any of you ever felt like the, the rulers are making rules that are not good for you? Not saying American rulers, saying rulers. Look at the country. Look at the world. Look at how many countries where being a Christian can get you killed. Don't forget about those. Don't forget about the whole world where if you are per, if you walk into that country and you progress Jesus magnified, you can be killed, imprisoned, and enslaved. That is a massive thing that happens all across the world. It still happens throughout the world. And then you can look at your individual rulers who say, you have to agree with these ideas or else you are the other than. And say, but, but God doesn't believe in those principles. And I, in order for me to say, thus saith the Lord... I might get completely outcast. You ever feel like that's happening? The Bible says don't be surprised. There is a war going on on this world that is against your soul. You say, well, I don't believe in all that spiritual battle mumbo jumbo. Oh, interesting because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead which sounds incredibly supernatural we as Christians believe in a supernatural God we cannot continue trying to follow a Christianity that is natural it is supernatural the world was spoken into existence. The Holy Spirit exists, as was read from this pulpit right here. The Holy Spirit is a gift to all who come to Christ and to our children as well. You cannot believe in Jesus Christ apart from the Holy Spirit, and He is real. And I find that the majority of people who are like, no, there's no battle, are the ones who can't believe that Christianity is a supernatural belief system. And here's the interesting thing, it's true. It really is happening. There really is a spiritual battle. And I challenge you to go into the world and see if you don't see it. I just feel like the world is always against me. It is, but you are not to be of the world. You are supposed to be apart from the world. That's what the word holy means. Set aside from the world. 
That's what when I talked about Jesus before, Jesus didn't hang out with the sinners and the drunkards. The sinners and the drunkards hung out with Jesus. He was so set apart that they looked and said, that's good. That's good. We are to be holy. And, and this is a supernatural thing. And that supernatural thing is coming for your walk with Christ, and one of the avenues it uses is the rulers and the authorities of this world. And you say, well, but I don't like it. Nobody does. But it's still true. So if you feel like the world sometimes is just against everything you hold to be dear, then you can look at the Bible and say, oh, you're telling the truth. The next enemy is the one that I wanted to get into immediately, but Paul doesn't get into it immediately. It says, the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful, you're looking for your uh, application. What should I do? I'll read it to you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. What is your enemy's mission seeking whom he may devour destroy the enemy's mission is destruction yours well how, what am I supposed to do know that it exists be aware don't walk around saying well I don't believe in the devil well then don't believe in angels I don't believe in hell. Well, you can't believe in heaven. We don't get to cherry pick these things. Right? You don't get to just pick out what you like. That's not the way the Bible works. And I do the same thing. I don't like that. Well, nobody asked you. As the old pastor said, you might not like the way this world is run, but you don't have a world. Go get your own world and you can run how you like right this scripture says that there is a, an enemy and he is seeking whom he may devour well that 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 makes some protection pretty important doesn't it what am i going to do he's seeking to devour me how do uh, i don't know what to do i don't know what to do here's your mission you ready and, and it's going to show you It's going to show you where my, I'm coming for you, Satan, was wrong. What is your mission? And I'll give you a second. Go ahead and read, read through that passage. Look at your passage. And I want you to find the word that is repeated the most. I find it's better to see it. Because if I just tell you, you're going to be like, oh, the pastor's talking. Look at it. See if you can find a word that is stated. Over and over and over and over again. 
If you get it, say it. Stand. Stand. Actually, the way it, it's grow roots, plant your feet. That's not charging hell with a water pistol. That's standing. That's planting yourself. You know what I picture? It, I, so when I was growing up, I went to Myrtle Beach. Uh, that, that's where our like vacation spot was. Now that I've seen Hawaii's beaches, I'm like, oh, well, whatever. But like, we used to love Myrtle Beach. And, and in all honesty, nothing like the North Shore in the winter. The waves get pretty rough at Myrtle Beach. Not really great for um, surfing, but pretty awesome for throwing you in face first into the ground. Like, really good at that, okay? So what me and my friends would do is we would walk, and I, I, y'all are going to be like, yeah, I used to do that. If those of you who were beach people as a kid. We would walk out to right where the waves crash, and we would just have competitions. Who can stand the longest without dying? And that was our, our thing, right? So like a big wave would come. We'd plant our feet, dig our heels in, grab with our toes, and then wham, and then we'd go backwards and raise ourselves back up. And then I'd see my friend Jake washed up on the shore, and I'd be like, ha ha, I win, right? That's what I picture. The picture isn't a picture of running out and punching Satan in the face. The picture is I want you to plant your feet. I want you to get solid. I want you to get solid base. I want you to plant your feet so that when these things hit you, when you get washed over by these waves of attacks, you do not move. Anybody, who, how, who here played that game as a kid? Plant your feet in the waves. Who, who got moved? Right? But you would count it as a win if you got moved a little, right? It just backed you up a little bit and you stood back up. That's the idea. The idea is the idea of holding a fortress. The verbiage here is like you're, you've got a fortress and it's being attacked. Hold it. Hold that fortress. See, the thing here is the battle's already been won. Jesus already won the war. He died for your sins and rose to new life and said that it is finished. And then that just runs us into this whole now but not yet thing that we run into throughout the Bible. Yes, the war is won, but you are still in the battle. So your job is to stand. And every time I say that, I think of that old, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Right? Your job is to plant your feet solidly in the Lord. Plant them so that when people come rush you and hit you with something new and hit you with something new and hit you with something new, you might get rocked, but you're only going to slide back a little bit. Right? And you'll know exactly where to step back into. Your mission is to stand. And you have one more mission. Anybody see another group of words that all meant the same thing at the end of the passage that give you a mission? Yeah. Huh? Nope. Mostly because I couldn't hear you. It's pray. You see the end of that passage? Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, which means prayer, 
To that end, keeping alert with perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that the word may be given to open my mouth boldly. The, the idea is pray. And, and there's this picture throughout the world that it's, you're like, we haven't even touched the armor yet. Yeah, it's because the main point isn't the armor. We're going to go through it. Don't worry. The main point is what are you supposed to be doing? This armor is supposed to help you. You can research the armor, but I'm trying to convince you, you have a mission and you have tasks. One, stand. When the world tries to move you, don't be moved. Because it's trying to move you. You think it's not. It is. There is a correct, a right and a wrong, and God set it out, and it is his to set out, and it means, yes, this is right. Put your feet on it, and don't let the world shift you. Shift you. Don't let them move you. Because that's what's right. Don't be moved. The other one is pray. And I remember I was, I, I found myself, uh, I was a youth pastor, but I, I could not keep my spiritual focus. And this guy, Jason Rumbo, you don't know him, so the name's not important. But he walks up to me and he says, Jeremiah, you don't let anybody move you around like this. What's going on? It's like, I don't know. He's like, so when's the last time you read your Bible? I was like, well, I mean, I preach all the time, so I'm reading my Bible pretty solid. He says, when's the last time you just prayed? I was like, I don't know. He said, how's that working out? How's that working out? I think the devil has done a really good job of convincing us that prayer is a passive action. It is not. Prayer is a direct connection between you and the creator of this world. You are connected directly to the sustainer of your soul. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent, and we were invited into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. And God said, pray. Come to me in prayer. Now, I'm preaching to myself because it's really easy, like I said, to think I can do it. I think of Martin Luther, who said, I have far too much to do today to not spend two hours in... This is a misquote. To not spend two hours with the Lord in prayer. Actually, I have the direct quote, so let's just go ahead and do that. If I, yeah, I, I, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot go without spending three hours daily in prayer. I, I got to spend at least two hours in prayer. I've got so much to do, so at, at least three. At least three hours a day in prayer. Man, it's hard for me to pray before I eat breakfast. The idea is that the power comes from where? From God, right? It comes from Christ. So I got too much to do today. I don't have time to do my quiet time, to use the word we always use as youth pastors. I don't have time to do my quiet time. What I want you to do is I want you to get on your knees and pray. Because none of it's going to get done to the glory of God apart from God doing it. You go on Twitter and you say, my thoughts and prayers are with you. And everybody says, oh, that's useless. Why is anybody, don't even post that thoughts and prayers. Don't post it. What are you going to do? <laughs> I want you to go to a southern church and find that prayer warrior. I want you to find that grandma who's been praying for the church for the past 30 years. 
I want you to find that person who has been praying for the soul of their son for the past 10 years. I want you to find that person that falls on their knees and prays every single time something happens. And I want you to learn. I don't know. I don't know the churches in other places. I'm assuming because it's the kingdom of God, you all have prayer warriors at the churches you came from. I want you to call them and say, how do you pray? How do you do it? The church I came from had Miss Pat. Miss Pat prayed like you wouldn't believe. And it wasn't eloquent. It was, can I pray for you? And she would pray for you and you would leave ready to weep. Before we, I went through a really hard time, this really, really hard time in my life, I had a random woman at the grocery store who bumped into me, started crying, grabbed me by the arm, said, let me pray for you. And let me tell you it's going to be okay. And guess what? It was the hardest four years of my life. Planting my feet felt like I was dying. Guess what? It was okay. You cannot tell me prayer is not powerful. When prayer is the thing God gives us to connect us to God. You say, Pastor, it's not 58. What are you doing? It's real easy. Watch this. You go into the you go into the um, armor, and it's super simple. The armor is the gospel of Christ. I want you to do the belt of truth. What I tell everybody who is going through anxiety, being an anxious person, I want you to grab something true. I want you to hold it with your fingertips until you got a full handful. I want you to pull until you're standing on truth. Because if you are an anxious person you, and you know Jesus Christ, guess what? The truth is what's going to hold you together. And that's interesting because the whole armor is held together by truth. It, it, it removes all the floppy parts of the armor. You gird it up, all the floppy parts of the armor get pulled together by the belt. And all those things that just kind of pull you all over the place, they can actually be held together by just knowing the truth. The breastplate of righteousness. That becomes that person who has set their values based on what the word says. Your values are based on the scripture. And those values is the way ethics work. Your values produce ethics. And your ethic is what you say, I will and will not do. And you look at the Bible and say, this says, do not commit adultery. Therefore, as a value, I value my spouse. As an ethic, I will not commit adultery. Will not. And then you live out that righteous life, and guess what? You become very protected. Because you've made decisions, you've made values. The shoes of readiness given by the gospel. I'm going to read you a passage right, real fast. If you want to really study this passage, you have to read Isaiah 52 and I think Isaiah 57. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publish peace, who bring good news to the happiness, who publish salvation, who say to Zion, your 
your God reigns. Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone to preach? And how are they to preach unless they are sent out? And it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You put on the gospel in preparedness to share it. You say, but I'm in the army. I'm not allowed to do that. Guess what? The only people in the army not allowed to share the gospel with the idea of proselytizing are the chaplains. Everybody else, you sure can. And according to the scripture, you sure ought to. Be prepared to share the gospel. And guess what? That's a protective measure against the works of the devil. Where are my commanders that pray for their, their company and they live out a right life? Where are my NCOs that when people say, why are you happy all the time? They say, because Jesus loves me and he loves you too. Yeah. Where are the people that say, well, why do you go to church every single Sunday? And you say, well, let me take you. Yeah. You can see. Where's the private that walks in and reads his Bible in front of people? And they go, why do you do that? And they say, let me tell you about a guy that I know named Jesus Christ. Yeah. Prepared. Asking for the opportunity. It protects you against the devil. And then you actually end up doing what you're called to do. You are allowed to do that. And you say, I don't know how to do that. You probably have a chaplet. If not, hi, my name is Jeremiah Burton. I would love to teach you how to share the gospel in your setting. The army is a ripe mission field. If it wasn't, I wouldn't be here. Share the gospel. But, but you're not supposed to talk about politics or religion. I want you to talk about truth. I want you to bring the truth to your formation. Because how can you say you love them if you're just going to be okay with them not knowing Jesus? The helmet of salvation. You have a hope. You are saved and you are sealed. The Bible says that you cannot be plucked out of the, out of the hand of God. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have a future and a hope, and that future and a hope will protect you. Jeremiah, tell me about it. It's in Revelation. It's pretty awesome. This ain't it. Our Father has set up a place for you, and he says you will be saved. Actually, in 1 Thessalonians, when it talks about the armor of God, it talks about um, the helmet of the hope of future salvation. And then the sword of the Spirit. I want you to think about when Jesus was being tempted. How did he combat the devil? He quoted scripture. Here's a verse for you to remember. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, you'll be memorizing a verse about memorizing verses. <laughs> pretty great. Your word have I stored up in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's going to keep you from sinning? What's going to beat back the devil? The word. That's your weapon. Right? Know it. Read it. Learn it. So that you can push back those attacks. But here's, here's the ultimate truth I want you to walk out of here with. You have a power 
that you live in that is greater than any enemy that could come against you. But you do have an enemy. So put on your eye pro, put on your ear pro, put your PT belt on, you'll be safe. But if you don't, you won't. It's the idea of God's already won the war. So therefore, we have power to be safe. You are safe from the attacks of the enemy. But only if you put on the armor. If you don't put on the armor, you become very susceptible. And the only reason you wouldn't put on the armor is because you say, well, no one's coming after me. I mean, other than someone like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Right? So I want you to be ready to stand. Plant your feet like a tree. Put your, well, your, your feet on that, that word. Place it there. And hold fast to what is true. And then in the morning, get up and pray. Connect yourself to the God, the, God, the creator of the world. And be prepared to share the gospel. That's something y'all can do? Is that something we can agree on? Good. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord. I love you. Lord, I love you so much, and the reason I love you is because you first loved me. I wouldn't even have the ability to love you if you didn't love me. So I pray that we would be protected. I pray that we would be firm, that we would stand. And I pray that your word would go out throughout Schofield Barracks in such a way that the world says, what happened? Well, draw, draw attention to yourself through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.